Welcome back to Kansas City Real Talk, brought to you by KCRER. I'm Bobby Howe. I'm Alex Gehring. Bobby, what? What? there's a milestone. Hi. What's the milestone? This is our 50th episode. City! Woo! This isn't like our birthday celebration because there's no cakes, there's no hats, there's no whatever those things are called that what I can't think What the heck? I know, because we're still quarantined. You know... You know, Kip, if you're listening, and I know, I know you are. Kip listens. You could have, you could have, you could have sent us cake. You, it's not too late. It's not too late, Kip. Because technically, we're recording this a little early, so technically, by October seventh, Kip we can could have cake. serve us cake. Jeez. So, um, no yeah. one can see me except whenever Amber takes the screenshot, and you realize, well, Bobby really didn't dress up for this podcast or the last one. Well, so what's up with that? Well, you didn't ask, but I'm going to tell you anyways. So on Saturday night, I'm making myself a shrimp boil. I go to dump the water off into the sink. No big deal. Life's okay. And the sink starts backing up. And I'm like, um, oh, that's, that's not a good thing. So, no. um, so I tell my husband, he gets the snake. We snakes the, the kitchen sink and then doesn't really find anything that should have been causing a clog or backup. So he's like, I'm going to go to the main in the garage and I'll work on it. All right, that's fine. He gets that fixed. We started to put stuff back underneath the sink, and Ryan notices there's a leak in one of the copper pipes, which he does irrigation. He fixes PVC pipe all the time, but copper is the whole, you know, right, world. Right. He decides, you know what? I think I can fix it. Okay, fine. So he goes, he fixes it. He gets that fixed. We discover there's a hole somewhere else in the PVC pipe. So then he fixes that. It's fine. And we're, we're good. We go to bed last night. Everything's fine at bedtime. He wakes up this morning. He's getting ready for work and he comes out and he goes, well, just to add to it, I just lost the toothpaste cap down the bathroom sink tray. Good grief. And then, girl, and then after he left, I had my coffee and I went to, to rinse my coffee out in the sink and both sides backed up again. <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> what, is, what is happening? We're now bringing in a professional plumber. But they can't get here till tomorrow afternoon. So oh, no. I've been running around like a chicken with my head cut off. And, um, and, and Ryan is overly stressed out about this whole thing, which I don't blame him because it's, it's really because we're not seeing any clogs. We're not seeing any problems. Like we've snaked everything. I'm sorry. That sounds horrible. It's, it's fine. It's just funny because it's like you were having some issues with your basement and all of that kind of stuff. And there was a, some people coming to your house one time. You didn't have anything like this, but you, know, you just had to get all of it done. And now I'm like, oh, Alex had, nope. Now I'm going to be sitting around waiting on people. So it's Our basement's fine. great, by the way. We're now officially all moved in down there. Awesome. And Charlie has so much more space to run around and, and be a squirrel. And it's, it's very exciting. So you have a child or a squirrel? Which She's both. Okay. She's both. Yeah. Yep. She's she's uh, a a squirrel child. A squirrel child. Okay. She's 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 got more energy than yep. just like anybody I've ever met in my life. Is it's she insane. going to a daycare or anything? Yeah. So she's a Montessori okay. school um, in Overland okay. Park. Yeah. And she has been since she was about four months. Okay. Do they have any sort of masking requirements for these small, tiny children? So that's so if the child will leave it on and okay. won't mess with it, then yeah, they do uh, have the kids wear uh, masks. Um, Is it's Charlie not a requirement. A- um, yeah, Charlie, Charlie can keep her mask on and, and not really mess with it. So it makes it a lot easier for us to go into... I mean, not that it's not, it's not required for, for kids her mm-hmm. age. You know, she's only two and a half. Well, that's why I was asking. 
Right. I mean, for her, it's like, well, my mom and dad are wearing one and like, I want to wear one. Like she started asking if she could have a mask. I mean, it was kind of a, yeah, mask, mask, my mask. (laughs) So we got her a couple. It was cute. That's awesome. Yeah. It's it's cute in like a weird, you know, dystopian society kind of way. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, speaking of weird <laughs> dystopian society, St. Joe has finally passed an all indoors mask mandate. Six months after this all started, we now, like I've been wearing them in places anyways, because right. I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to throw a fit, fit sure, over it. Sure. I'm a grown adult and I can behave yeah, in a professional yeah. manner. It's okay. Um, but we just started last Thursday at midnight that we now have to wear masks indoors at all times. It took a little while. It took, and, and right when you guys did that, Johnson County was having a big, a big discussion about whether or not they were going to support Governor Kelly's intentions to extend the uh, mandate. Because um, yeah. there was some discussion about whether or not her mask order actually was part of the executive order that had been extended. And uh, it, the, it, it's always four to three with Johnson yep. County. That's another one where, you know, that, man, it's, it's just, it's very partisan in local politics yep. right now. Very yep. partisan in local politics. I feel like that's a new thing. That is, that is just such a, I, such a fascinating and horrifying uh, state of society that we've allowed national partisan politics to uh, you know, make its way into our school boards, make its way into our city councils, our county mm-hmm. commissions. Uh, you know, our, our, local uh, politics is, is one of the most important things mm-hmm. that that you know there is there really that that's really where politics is is most for our lives and um we're leaving an era where we could have reasonable discussions uh and you know keep everything uh civil um and it's it's pretty scary yeah. um we actually just had that here in saint joe with our local mayor he and he made some comments that the Democratic Party has to work together to keep Republicans out of office. And his quote was, St. Joe was where Pony Express began and Jesse James ended. So I'd like to end some of the modern Jesse James who are in that other political party. Hmm. That's the mayor. No, I mean, like I get, we've always had, you know, strong sides politically, nationally, but locally we still all get together. And right now we are not. I mean, that's the deal. It just doesn't. No, hold on. I guess, did the Pony Express really start in St. Joe? Did you not know that? No, yes, I, I didn't know about M&M. I didn't know about the Pony Express. You yes, know, and sir. those two things are practically on equal playing field. <laughs> yeah, they are. We have the, you can still come see the stables, but the home of the Pony Express was St. Joe, Missouri. What? The other end, obviously, was Sacramento, California. Amber, we still did have you know this? Is this the thing Amber that Amber can't talk, knew, remember? Amber? Yeah, Amber, by the way, can't talk. Amber says she Amber, knew yes, she did know. <laughs> I fail. Yeah, Dang this it. is also where Jesse James, the famous outlaw, died, was in St. Joe. I think I knew that. But not the Pony Express. I did not know about the Pony Express. Hmm. Interesting. Fascinating thing. Yeah. Well, we have museums and things. You can come take a look. You guys have museums? I'm joking. All right. All right. Bobby, who are we talking to today? So today we have Justin Colifer, the founder of the tech startup Glass House Guide, So you may have not heard of it before, maybe you have, but if you haven't, it's a real estate voice marketing tool 
And he's going to talk to us about how we can use technology, not just to get by, but to actually set ourselves apart from the Wow. I know, right? Because that's, you know, I feel like that's how a lot of us are. There's certain technologies that we just adopt just to right. get by, but that we're not trying to do it to outwit our competitors. Or maybe we do up. think we're outwitting. Yeah, we're just keeping yep. up. Like, we're not really doing it like... Like I'm on Insta, but I'm not using Insta to outwit my competitors. Right. Yeah, me neither. Actually, I'm just using Insta to post my dinners. So <laughs> there's, <laughs> but I'm okay. But that's not my thing. That we all have our thing, and I know, and we can just so. In our next podcast, Alex asked me to watch something before this podcast, and I did not make time to do it, and it would fit oh, perfectly into this conversation. Would have. That's I, what I was going to ask about. I was so excited. Uh, well, I realized it at about 9.15 last night, and I'm going to be honest, I was watching the Patriots and the Seahawks. And you smelled like shrimp. No, that was the day before. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That was out last night. Last night, we were just the head leaks. Um, and so- I did not, but we're going to watch the social dilemma. And we're going to talk about it. So podcast listeners, if you want to be a part of the discussion on next two weeks podcast, that's what I was going to talk about. I'll bring that up here in a second. Go ahead and watch the social dilemma it's on Netflix. It's like an hour, 40 some minutes. You can get through it, um, but you're probably going to want to turn all the notifications and things off on your phone from what I already know about it. But speaking about our podcast and speaking about coming out every two weeks, um, last week we had our Missouri state realtor, uh, conference and I sat in on one of the committee meetings and I'm not sure Amber even knows about this yet, but the Missouri realtors talked about their new podcast. Oh, we've got Real competition. Talk Missouri. Yeah, what? We've got competition. We have competition. They're actually just trying to steal us. Yeah. And Amber's showing her face now to us. Their name is Real Talk Missouri. They claimed they had no idea about Kansas City Real Talk, but Andre Gray says, uh-uh, I told them about it in April. They knew that was your name when they picked it. And their release, their uh, schedule of releases, they want to release every other Wednesday. They claim they had no idea that that's when they like, oh, I was just saying every other Wednesday just to say something. And I was like, mm, I'm not believing anything you say right oh. now. But I had been there from the beginning and then Kip showed up right about the time that they started talking about some of these things. And Kip's like, what is going on in here? And I was like, I don't know. And so, but Kip Missouri and I volunteered to help them with their podcast, Amber. So it's fine. <laughs> this could be, this could be war. This could be war. <laughs> oh, Alex, I just realized what time it is. And our guest is probably gonna be showing up before long. Should we do our book bit? Oh yeah. Do you have a book bit? I do. I I think I only didn't have a book bit once. Come on now. <laughs> do, 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 Bobby's book bit. Casey. And just so I, in the last podcast episode, I told you there was a time when I, and Kip and I rared over the Missouri Real Talk or Real Talk Missouri. Oh, that's where you got the rear going That's on. where we yeah. were. We, the claws came out there for about a half second. Were so. they able to rear back? Because that's a true test. I mean, if they can't go rear back, then that doesn't work. Well, it was on a live Zoom, and they did not attempt to rear back. Oh, so, all right. we don't know what's coming to them. But we're going to stay focused, because we've got to get through this. So okay. today's book bit, I literally picked because of its name. Quite frankly, I, I was like, I saw it, and I was like, hmm, that sounds interesting. I don't know that's a topic we need to discuss, and it doesn't necessarily go with technology, but we're going to go with it. So far, it's I'm called, guessing everybody poops. Uh, I should have done that. I should have done that one. Yeah, I should yeah. have. What is it? Um, Mistakes were made, but not by me. 
Yes, by Carol Travis. I don't think you've heard of this one. I, I had either. No. So, so this is a book that takes you on a journey of famous examples, an area of life where mistakes are hushed up instead of admitted, showing you along the way how this hinders our progress, why we do it in the first place, hint it's in our brains, and what you can do to start honestly admitting your own mistakes. And we always talk about mistakes and failing forward, but how often does something happen to us and we try to blame someone else? You know, we talked about it before that if you get into a wreck on the highway, someone else hits you, it's their fault. Well, had you left your house a minute later or a minute earlier, you wouldn't have been in that place at that time. So you do right. have some fault within the accident. Um, the quote that I like by Carol, oh, not Travis, Tabris. I couldn't say her name right. Anyways, history is written by the victors, but it's victims who write the memoirs. Mm. And it is, it's always mm. the People that's a victim ones that go out on Facebook and give all the bad reviews mm -hmm. of this or that. We rarely talk about the happiness and exciting things that happen. So we have ourselves three little life lessons to go with this. And the first one is you make up self-justifications to deal with the cognitive dissonance your mistakes create. First of all, the reason you hate admitting your mistakes is because they create something called cognitive dissonance which is having to deal with two conflicting ideas of who you are in your head. These justifications sadly make us cling even more to our bad behavior because once we've made them, we go looking for evidence of why we made them and why that was okay. And that's called confirmation bias. So that leads me to my second point. Confirmation bias can lead you to changing your entire morals. And she uses a metaphor called mid of choice. It says, imagining two people with the same morals are given the chance to steal $500 from the cash register at work. Before making their choice, they stand up on top of a pyramid and they can see all the possible paths down below, all the options, all the consequences of their actions. One decides to steal, the other does not. Once they start descending on their different paths, they both lose that bird's eye view they had and they can only see the narrow path they've chosen for themselves. Because of our self-justifications and confirmation bias, each of them will become even sure that the path they took was the right one. And when they reach the bottom, they will end up at totally different sides of the pyramids with completely different views of morality. And I loved that view, the pyramid, like it's a perfect little metaphor for how we can make mistakes and then justify what we've done. And the third lesson, stop thinking you're stupid just because you make mistakes. How often do we, oh God, I'm so dumb. I did whatever. We tell ourselves that all the time. And the way that you overcome this is you just start admitting your mistakes. There was a study that compared U.S. education to Chinese and Japanese schools. And it found that U.S. students were embarrassed to make mistakes. So they never actually uh, will tackle a difficult math problem in front of their classmates. But in China and Japan, the kid who does the worst has to go up to the board and redo the exercise in front of everyone with his classmates supporting him as he gets it right. They're not mm -hmm. making fun of him. Asian cultures see mistakes for what they are a part of life. And instead of burying their heads in the sand, they proactively admit and deal with them. And that's what we need to do. Admit your mistakes, work on it, move forward. But too often we like to, oh, I didn't do that. That didn't really happen. So that is the book, Mistakes Were Made, But Not By Me, by Carol. Never Apple. heard of it. I'll have to check it out. All right, then. I think it's time for us to bring on our guests 
Mr. Justin Colifer, the founder of the tech startup Glass House Guide. See you on the other side. Secure Title of Kansas City is the provider of timely and comprehensive title and closing services. Their competitive rates, convenient locations, and service beyond expectations make Secure Title of Kansas City one of Missouri's and Kansas's premier providers of title and closing services. So whether you're buying or selling real estate, you can rely on Secured Title of Kansas City to make certain the title is sound and the closing runs smoothly. Welcome back to Kansas City Real Talk, brought to you by KCRAR. We are here with Justin Cullifer, the founder of Glass House Guide. Justin, thank you so much for being here with us. Well, thanks for having me, Alex. Why don't we start out by having you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure thing. I am a big technology geek. I have been in technology for over 20 years. I've worked in worked for large corporations, worked for large consulting firms, and now own my own technology companies. So uh, through and through, I'm a big geek. I love technology. I love monitoring trends to see what's new, what's happening next, and then trying to deliver value on those for our clients. Awesome. And what's your connection to real estate? So mostly as a home buyer, I am on my fourth home that I've now bought and sold, bought and sold, bought and sold. And uh, I love real estate. Ever since I was a kid, I've loved real estate. I grew up, um, instead of watching Saturday morning cartoons, I watched this old house and home time. If you remember home time, it's not even on anymore. Bobby remembers I that. I see the nod. Because I'm really old. Alex is a baby. That's part of the issues that we have on this podcast, but it's fine. <laughs> well, I'm glad someone else remembers it, but that's what I grew up watching, and I've always loved real estate. I even wanted to be an architect until I had a teacher talk me out of it, which was not cool at all in retrospect. But even now as an adult, buying and selling homes has been a process that I've enjoyed, and I've always thought you know, seeing the evolution since I began buying homes in the early 2000s, uh, seeing the evolution in technology and how there's still so much opportunity in real estate to, in some ways, get caught up. Okay. So said you, you know, you founded your company because you saw a need from your perspective as a home buyer. So what ways did you feel a lack of technology from real estate professionals was not meeting your needs as a buyer? Well, you know, technology kicks in really in two phases in real estate as from a consumer's perspective. One is during the search when we're all online and we're browsing and we're looking into our apps, uh, be it Zillow or Realtor or Trulia, any of those. And then on the transactional piece where at the end of the transaction, we're doing DocuSign and uh, wiring money and, and doing all of those necessary things. But there's not, there's, there felt like an opportunity to engage customers a little bit more on the front end you know, to leave me to my own devices to go out and browse for real estate and put in my own filters and hopefully get the information I want, uh, that's a lot of burden on me as a client uh, versus being able to go in and actually have something that's a very tailored experience, something that handholds me through the process of getting to know these uh, potential purchasing uh, properties. So I just felt like there was something more that could be done than I was seeing. Now, we're making a lot of advances. A lot of agents are adopting video now, and that helps a lot. But still, I, I knew there was a little bit more opportunity there to make it feel more personal. So what, what kind of technology uh, then have you, like what, what, what have, 
what's the solution to that? Like, what, what is it that you've, uh, that you've kind of created? And what is it that you uh, think that agents should be doing in order to kind of correct some of the uh, issues that you're describing? Well, it's a great question. I, I am personally vested in voice technologies like Amazon Alexa, Siri, Google Assistant, um, and the like. In fact, I actually had to reach over and mute my Alexa so that I don't set it off in this conversation. But, you know, I propose that agents keep doing exactly what you're doing. Keep doing website advertisements, keep doing social media posts, keep doing videos, keep doing everything you're doing and add voice as another tool in your toolkit to help market your listings. So what's fantastic about voice is that the devices, you know, where when the Amazon smart speakers first came out, we were all using them just to answer trivia questions or tell it to play music or add something to a grocery list. And that's all very utilitarian in nature. Now the development behind it and the skills that have been built for Alexa are much more conversational. You know, you can actually have a true conversation with this friendly little voice in a smart speaker. And I knew that that could add value from a real estate perspective. So when I went out and looked for uh, the most recent home that I bought in 2018, I started noticing more and more of these smart speakers inside of each of the homes that we toured. I knew I had them in my house and I, I just, started connecting the dots and thinking, well, how cool would it be if the speaker could add more character, more, more of a story behind the house that we're walking through? And so I, I came back and designed it and put my engineers to work on it. And we've now solved that. So this is, this is really interesting. So I, I want to, I know that there are other companies out there that have search programs built into uh, you know, so, so you can do consumer searching via voice, which, uh, you know, isn't, it doesn't seem to be something that a lot of people are necessarily engaging with. So what you're talking about is using smart speakers within a listing to tell a story about a home as people are walking through. That's exactly right. So our, Interesting. our yeah, our original premise was that in listing experience when people are walking through the home. Now, earlier this year, with the onset of the pandemic, we quickly made an adjustment to enable anyone from anywhere to have the same conversation with their own smart speaker at home. So sure. if they're looking at your website or your social media posts and they see the pictures and they're enticed, they can now speak to their uh, Amazon Alexa speaker and have the same sort of conversation. But you're exactly right. The early entrance uh, into the market that combined real estate with Alexa created more of a search capability. And that's good to an extent, but it's not terribly interesting. It's, you know, tell me how many three bedroom, two bath homes are available in Kansas City. Okay, great. That's, that's not very interesting. Now versus you have 202 Main Street for sale and they can interact and ask questions like, where's the best place to drink coffee near this home? How are the schools? Why are they selling? you know, really have a, a true conversation about the home, that's a lot more interesting. Definitely, definitely. That's really interesting. Like I say, I haven't, I haven't heard of any, anybody else doing that. So that's a, that's a fascinating thing. Yeah, I, I mean, with the, the whole search idea, it's such a, you know, we're, when you're searching, it's really a visual medium. I mean, people want to see the pictures. And if there's not any storytelling involved, that really doesn't work very well. That's, that's not something that's captivating. It's not an experience that the consumer is going to go back to. Um, anyway, that was our experience. There was a company that we had subscribed to that, that did something like that. And it just didn't, 
it didn't create any value. Um, so this, this sounds really intriguing. It sounds really intriguing. I, I want to go find a house and I want to go walk through and do it. Or I want to get on my Alexa and I want to do it now. I, yeah. I love that you said, you know, this was our idea. This is where we started, but the pandemic happened. And so you were able to pivot and it's actually probably been for the best of you and your company that the pandemic actually happened to have this new idea of how to integrate. How has that been working for you? You know, I, I hate to say that the pandemic benefited us in any sort of way, but it kind of did in that respect. By making that feature available, we've allowed people to learn more information and have listings stand out from the rest by having this feature enabled. You know, we, even from a company perspective, we had full intentions of going to a number of expos and trade shows throughout the year with our, our, our booth set up and doing demonstrations to agents, but that all got canceled. So we had to pivot and learn how to get our service out in front of people digitally. Well, we're now able to enable agents to do the same thing. You know, you all know you adopted FaceTime tours and Zoom tours and all of these different tactics. This is one more tactic to be applied to try and, and reach an audience that really has been untapped. Yeah. So, you know, we talked about the types of technology every realtor should be using. Yes. Now let's say you're a realtor that wants to stand out apart from everybody else and you've bought four houses. So you've dealt on maybe with the same realtor, maybe with various realtors. We're not going to get into that conversation yet. Um, but what type of technology should a realtor have if they really want to stand apart from everybody else? Well, I think that one of the things that, that stands out for me from the client perspective is when I see every agent's website look just like the other agent's website, you know, a lot of the national brokerages provide a toolkit. They provide a marketing suite of tools that the agents can use. And I see so many agents who just use the template website that's available. It will have, you know, agentname.brokerage.com as part of the URL. You pull up the website and it looks exactly like 15 other agents in the exact same brokerage. And it just doesn't convey any personality. But aside from a, a tiny headshot and a phone number, I have no incentive to talk to you versus the next person. And I think that anything that an agent can do to help tell their story and their connection to the community is a huge deal. That means a lot to me. So this most recent house that I bought was in a completely new area for us. Uh, we did not know the town other than we like to visit and it's pretty, but we wanted to know, you know, we wanted to work with someone who really knew the ins and outs of the community. So sure enough, we connected with an agent who has a reputation for being involved with philanthropy in the area, with nonprofit organizations, with uh, the schools. You know, she just was a very well-rounded person. And I could tell that by looking at her website and her social media presence. So I feel like you know, break out beyond the templates, add some personality, add some color that helps share your story so that you'll connect with buyers who, who resonate with you and vice versa. You're telling me as a consumer, you actually go to the realtor's websites because I think every realtor wants to believe that consumers go to their website and yet they convince themselves that their website doesn't matter because everybody's just going to Zillow anyways, right? That blows my mind. You know, when I work with any vendor, it doesn't matter what. So let's say we were having um, hardwood floors put into our house or I'm having my car worked on. I'm going to go online and I'm going to find their website or at least find some reviews and just try to get some information. You know, if I have a car and I'm new to the city, I want to find someone who specializes in Mercedes Benz. I don't want to just go to any, any uh, repair shop 
or one that just opened two weeks ago. I want to go to one that tells me that they've been in the business for 15 years and they've worked on Mercedes and BMW and Toyota or whatever else. That information is important and people are looking for that information. And in the same same applies to working with an agent. Uh, we do the same when we look for an attorney. When we look for any professional service, we're out there looking for information, and it has to be there. Absolutely. I mean, I, it makes I, I, it's shocking to me that people don't feel like they need to keep all of their information updated. And to your point, to try to keep it unique, make sure that it doesn't look like the, the next person on the list. It's got to stand out. Um, and it, I mean, there, there are a variety of advantages to that, both algorithmic and it just in terms of consumer uh, perception. So, um, so yeah, good, really, really good points. Um, so you've talked a little bit about the uh, kind of the cutting edge type of technology that, that your company is, is working on. What other technologies are, uh, should be at the forefront of our minds as realtors that we should be looking at implementing in the, in the uh, near future? You know, I think every agent needs to monitor trends just in consumer behavior. A great point to look at would be the upcoming Black Friday sales after Thanksgiving, right? What are the hot technologies this year from a consumer perspective? Knowing that information, you can back into the question, how am I serving those technologies? What does presence look like on those technologies? So if we hear that smart speakers are a big deal this year, you need to get involved with smart speakers. Um, if we see that there's a new iPhone that's released this fall and everyone's you know, just swarming to buy it and it's, it's outsold any, any past phones, then you know that your mobile presence, be it through um, accessibility of email, accessibility of your website, of search, anything you offer your clients, even DocuSign, if they are contracts that your clients can sign from their smart to make sure you, that your smartphone optimized. So really, as long as you pay attention to concise trends, you're going to do fine, but you have to ask yourself that honest question, how well am I serving those devices? How well am I serving those trends? And then work with someone that you trust to bolster your presence in those areas. And, and don't simply rely on the toolkit that's handed to you for free or at a sizable discount go out and do your due diligence and you might have to subscribe to something that's outside of the framework that's given to you, but that's okay. Everyone ultimately wants an agent to be successful. And sometimes you have to think outside the box. Justin, I'm old and frail compared to Alex, apparently. Um, and I'm just not really comfortable with new technologies. I never said that ever, but I'm pretending. Um, so, what are some easy ways to ease into this that I can learn some technologies that I'll feel comfortable following those trends? Because, you know, I know a lot of times following trends means I've got to be on Twitter and things like that. And well, I'm just not going to spend my time doing that. So how can I find out about these new trends and how can I easily um, bring them into my life? Well, you know, there's, there's several ways that come to mind. The first is look at consumer news. That's easy to get to a, a you know, a rather generic newspaper like USA today has a technology section. And the articles are all at a level that really any of us can read and understand for the most part. But, you know, leverage your network and ask around, ask your friends, your colleagues, your mentor, um, because I believe at any age, you should still have mentors in your life. Uh, ask around and just ask, what are other people doing? And if you're not comfortable putting hands to keyboard and executing on something that's technology related, find a partner to work with 
a vendor that you trust and can understand your vision of where you're trying to go and help you get there. You know, and then the last piece is when you look at technology tools, be it the one that we've created or others, look at the usability of it. Is it intuitive? Within a few minutes of logging in and creating an account, do you you have a grasp of how this thing works? If it's something where you require a masterclass in order to become proficient in it, that's probably not the tool for you. If it's something you can log in and use within the first five, six minutes, yeah, that's worth exploring. And you know, everyone has such a finite amount of time. Don't waste your time on cycles with something that is intimidating and a bit too difficult. Focus on the things you can control and bring in help for the rest. Justin, I'm so happy you said that because so often we hear these tech people come try to force, you know, uh, a square peg into a round hole. And for some people, you, you can't be all things to all technologies. So focus on the things that you can do and stay away from the ones that are just, you know, over your head or hire a college intern. Always an option too. Absolutely. Um, but Justin, I feel like we've talked a lot about technology, basic things, higher things, but what's the one thing we haven't asked you about today? What's the thing we're not talking about that we should have been talking about? All of this, why, did, why does this technology exist? Why am I here? Why did I build this company? Why did any of the others build their tools? It's to try and create a better user experience for the agent and for them to serve their clients better, right? And, and I think that if everything back to what is the experience we're trying to create, do we want it to be seamless? Do we want it to be smooth? Yeah, most people would probably nod and say, yes, we want that. But then to take that honest assessment and ask the question, how, how great is my process? How easy is it for me to do business with myself? You know, that's, that's probably what I would bring it back to is how easy is it for me to engage with myself to do business? And sometimes you have to ask outsiders for some candid feedback that may sting a little in some areas, you know, certainly if you have pride in a few areas, but other people find it challenging, it, but you have to do that constant and often, you know, that often assessment uh, throughout your career and make those adjustments so that you're in tune with your client base. You know, it's one of the reasons I tell realtors they should buy and sell a home every five years or so, so they can put themselves through their own processes. They can understand what their clients are going through. Because even if you sell on a regular basis, there are still random weird things um, that come up and happen and we need to have it happen to ourselves to understand how to explain it to our clients. Absolutely. Well, regulations change, right? Procedures change, rates change, lots of things change. And you're exactly right. I think even if, if you can't afford to buy a new home every five years, even just go through the mock process of day in the life. I mean, we all have lulls in our business, right? There's going to be a slow period this year. Maybe it's around the holidays when everyone else is off anyway. Do a mock trial on this thing. Take yourself through your own process and see how how it feels. All great advice, Justin. Hey, thanks so much for being with us today. I think that we got a lot of good information about this. Can you, before we end, can you just give us a little bit more information about, uh, about your company and how our listeners can learn more? Well, thanks. I've enjoyed the conversation. I appreciate you all uh, talking with me today. So my company is Glasshouse Guide. We are at glasshouseguide.com. And on our website is some uh, great information in terms of how to add Alexa as another tool to your marketing toolkit. Um, I, I guarantee you it is easy enough to get started within five to 10 minutes. And you can have folks interacting with your listings through Alexa 
uh, within the afternoon. So definitely take a look at it. If you have any questions, please contact us. We are a service company and we have a great team that's ready to assist not only in providing software, but consulting and providing and free, lots of free advice on how to implement what we've created. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Justin. It was good getting to know you. And I'm going to check out, you know, I'm going to check it out here later today. I want to, I want to play with it. Please Not do. that I have time to do that, but I will find some time. So it's worth it. It's worth it. I promise. Awesome. Thanks, Thank Justin. you so much. Have a great day. Y'all too. Thank you. Thank you.